the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. For all the most comprehensive sports stories on the internet, all sports across the sports spectrum, check out theathletic.com slash spot track today. That's 40% off your first year subscription. If you are not a subscriber yet, what are you waiting for? The baseball season is right around the corner. It is March Madness opening day. That weird playing game tonight. NFL free agency is right in the thick of it. Almost dying down at this point. We're certainly going to get to that in a few minutes here. But check out The Athletic. Download the app. Ad-free content. A small price to pay. And 40% off your first year. Use athletic.com slash track. My name is Mike Chinetti. Happy Thursday afternoon, Eastern time. It's been a quiet Thursday, NFL-wise. Some nice little kind of depth plug-and-play signings, a couple of smaller trades. Um, we'll see where this goes because there are some quarterback carousel decisions to be made here. There's some noise on Marcus Mariota and what happens there. My guess is he's outright released in the next couple of, I don't know, hours maybe. Um, and we're going to talk about Andy Dalton for sure. Don't think I'm going to let that one slip away. But the Jared Goff, Matt Stafford trade official. There is some news to talk about there. Not so much with the Wentz, the Wentz trade. That's been sort of talked to death, you know, no pun intended with the dead cap that remains in Philadelphia. And I've said it on online and I'll say it again here. You know, that is not a situation to take lightly. Carson Wentz's dead cap, $33.8 million, non-negotiable. That's going to sit on the Eagles cap this year. That is a big enchilada. That's a big cap hit. If you're an active quarterback, okay, so an inactive dead cap quarterback, that's a massive hit. That is going to single-handedly impede the Eagles from improving. It just is. I mean, you can bring in near minimum guys and a couple of $5 million contracts if, if you so feel, you know, but they've had to cut players just to get neutral and to build up from here, you know, you know, outside of the draft, it's going to be difficult. And it's because of that cap hit. So I, I, I guess I understand them moving on from, from a football standpoint, from a locker room standpoint, you know, I, I just assumed that when they fired Doug Peterson, the Carson Wentz era could remain for one more year, which would have made that contract a heck of a lot easier to move. I feel the same way about Russell Wilson, by the way, not to tangent off too far here, but this is a quarterback conversation. Um, there's $39 million of dead cap hanging on that Wilson contract. Now you can split that up after June 1st, you know, 13 million this year, 26 next. A, that's still 39. It's just over a two year span. And B, that means you're not including 2021 draft picks. If that's the case, because obviously June 1st is after the upcoming draft. So if your teams are Carolina and the jets, you know, top 10 picks in the upcoming draft, that's off the table now, and you're going to have to wait and see what kind of compensation you can get going forward and hope those teams are bad and that those draft picks you acquire are lottery picks, essentially. I just don't see it happening. I don't see there being enough ammo out there from any team to satisfy a $39 million dead cap hit because you are essentially saying to Seattle, you're, you're pausing right now. You've got to get over that hump of A, not having Russell Wilson, but also B, having a $39 million dead cap hit. And you can you can go on from there. Now, you can tell me 
the number two pick, you know, the quarterback of the number two pick is going to be significantly cheaper. You'll be able to handle that. That's probably true. It's still a decent cap hit for that number two pick, you know, 6 million this year. It's not a million. Okay. Like in the second and third round, it's about a $6 million hit for that number two overall pick this year. So that means $45 million to a quarterback, not on your roster and and a quarterback, you are just about to draft. That's a lot to ask. That's a lot to ask. So I just don't see it contractually. Now, the Wentz one surprised me. I think it surprised a lot of the people who who kind of look at the numbers like I do. But that had a lot of poison. You know, that situation was poison. And it clearly wasn't just Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz. It now maybe extends to front office, other offensive players, maybe Jalen Hurts as well. I mean, Carson Wentz had bad vibes kind of going around, and that's why he's off this team. And good for everybody from a personal standpoint. Hopefully those careers can kind of resuscitate and, and we go from here. But the numbers are ugly and they will remain ugly in 2021. So I'll have the same kind of feeling with Russell Wilson if he's moved, you know, for multiple first round picks. But I just, I can't, I can't, I don't think I could tolerate a $39 million dead cap hit. I just couldn't because you are, you are telling yourself this year's not going to matter. It's just a, it's a bad situation to get into, unfortunately. Also, they haven't fixed their offensive line. <laughs> so, and they don't have a running back to replace Chris Carson yet. That's easier said than done right now. Their wide receiver set's pretty good. They did sign a tight end. Defensively, eh, they lost a, basically two secondary pieces. K.J. Wright's still hanging out there. I'm not sure they have a pass rusher yet. Carlos Dunlap on the open market. There's a lot of holes. There's a lot going on in a negative way for Seattle right now that with or without Russell Wilson, it may not be happy times. So keep Russell Wilson. Don't take the $39 million dead cap hit. Do this thing next offseason when it's $26 million, a lot easier to handle, especially with a cap rise next year. And you're probably going to have the same value. You know, if he's three firsts and a couple of players or three, five picks this year, is he four picks next year with two, two years remaining? Because then you're into the contract extension discussion. You know, three years out like this, nobody's touching Russ's contract. There may be a little bit of restructuring to move some cash into this year so that he's making more than $19 million right now. Fine. If you want to kind of tickle his fancy doing that, I, we've seen that before with Julio Jones and a couple of other players. Fine. But there's just no really, there, there's no weight into asking for a new contract with three years left. So with two years left, there's a little bit more to talk about if you're going to Chicago or Carolina or or the Jets next year. But next year just seems better for all reasons if you're Seattle. And, you know, the the offers may be somewhat tempting. You know, that Bears offer, whether it's real or not, that's got to be somewhat tempting. Two defensive... I mean, you're you're fixing two holes right there. If it's Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack, or Kyle Fuller and Khalil Mack plus three first and a third. I mean, you're a, that third round pick turns into your running back, right? The first round pick turns, turns into some kind of quarterback, most likely. And then you fix two defensive holes that I just mentioned out loud. So there, it's got to be attractive because of what it can do for the roster today. But no Russell Wilson plus $39 million to, 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 to eat that's not worth it. Let's just wait a year. So in my, in my head, in my brain, 
I'm waiting on Russell Wilson until 2022 to have this real conversation. That's the, the prerequisite conversation to what can really happen next year. I'm going to get to this now, and I didn't think I was going to, but let's just put aside, and I don't mean to be insensitive, let's just put aside the issues that have come out with Deshaun Watson. They're ugly. And I'm not here to tell you if they're real or not. They're they're out. So that's a whole separate, you know, legal issue that can be handled by the people that do that. I'm I'm stepping completely away from that with this conversation. And I actually think Deshaun Watson's getting traded. I I think that Houston has done enough to tell me that it's that life without Deshaun Watson is going to be okay for them. And they are 49% there. They're making moves like it's rebuild on the fly. And we'll figure this thing out kind of as we go. This is going to be kind of our test year with a lot of bodies. Let's see what we have. And I, and I feel the same way about new England to some degree as well. And Cam Newton can, is also a part of that conversation, whether or not he's the week one starter it depends on the draft or possibly this, this Deshaun Watson trade, by the way, but it's about, stabilizing the stable right now. Okay. Let's get as many horses into the barn as possible. And maybe one or two of those can actually go and win some races. That's how I feel. And it's not a bad approach. It's not rip it all down Jacksonville, Cincinnati style. Um, but I feel like Houston and new England, either a, they don't feel like they, they need to do that or B, they just don't have that mindset. You know, they're simpler. They're, I mean, that's a, Patriots front office now in Houston. So they're kind of cut from the same cloth. So I, don't, I just don't think that over the past two decades, these guys have come up thinking or being taught that you have to go all the way back to take a step forward. And they're trying the approach of let's just throw a ton of baloney at the wall, a ton of it. And if you look at these, the free agent tables that we have, it's Houston and it's New England all over the place, all over the positions, special teams. Uh, role players, depth players, weapons, quarterbacks, right? Cam's back. Tyrod Taylor's in Houston. There is really no position off the board right now in terms of what they feel like they can add to or and possibly upgrade. So life without Deshaun Watson may already be in the, in the thinking, in the mindset for this. Um, and that's okay because unlike the Russell Wilson conversation, the dead cap for Houston is tenable. It's 21-5. It's extremely tenable. That's a big hit, but no one else in that roster right now is costing you anything outside of Laramie Tunzel. And are you really upset about a left tackle making a lot of money? You shouldn't be, because especially if you're going into a new quarterback era, having that kind of guy there is A1 important. So I actually think this is coming. And by the way, the people in Houston that I respect the hell out of. I follow them religiously on the socials. They're starting to come around as well. They're starting to think, hey, it's getting a little too quiet from a Deshaun standpoint and a little too loud from a rest of the team standpoint, which is basically what I'm saying here. They're, they're, they appear to be forking in terms of their alignment right in front of our eyes, which, which is what this free agency is telling me out loud. So I'm at this point, I think I'm expecting it 51% expecting it. Um, and I have no clue. There's six teams. There, there's six legitimate teams, Miami, Denver, 
San Francisco, Carolina, the New York Jets, the Patriots, right off the top of my head. You know, the Bears are probably still in. Maybe the Raiders are in, although who knows? I'm not even going to go there. But, you know, 49ers have to be attractive to Deshaun, who has a no-trade clause. He can kind of dictate to some degree. But can they bring back the biggest pot? No, they can't. I mean, they're middle draft picks. Not many players on that team you'd want to poach outside of a Bosa, which that's not happening. Um, well, maybe it's happening, but I wouldn't think it's happening. You know, Carolina's got ammo. The Jets have ammo. The Patriots, they may have ammo. You know, they may have enough to get this done. Um, it just depends on what Houston really wants out of this. And certainly having a Patriots front office in Houston right now is going to align New England nicely. You know, the discussions can be somewhat civil. There's a, probably an understanding of what each other probably needs still. Uh, so they're in. They're in on this conversation. Cam Newton's contract, by the way, does not scare me one iota from another co quarterback coming in, be it a veteran or a, or a drafted rookie. That's that's a $5 million contract, you know, three and a half guaranteed. That's a that's second-tier backup money, guys. That's, you know, Cam's got to really do some work to make some cash. And by, the, and by cash, I mean $12 million, which is, you know, still, you know, that's under what Ben Roethlisberger just restructured for. That's... This is not big money. Either A to Z, it's not big money. So uh, that's just kind of my thinking here. And I don't have a team for you, and I don't have a, an offer for you. But I'm reading the tea leaves more and more every day here. And now we have a, three days of free agency in front of us to sort of understand more of how these teams think of themselves. And that, to me, is the most important part of a new league year. Who is this team? Who do they think they are versus maybe what does the common knowledge say they are? I don't disagree with what Houston and New England are doing right now. Maybe I disagree with some of the player choices, but that's not for me to say. There's plenty of smarter people inside of those rooms dictating how football works. Um, none of the numbers scare me at all. Not even Matt Judon, who come, is coming off that big injury. Not the tight end contracts in New England. None of those. You're not going to get me to say a bad word about any of that right now, because when you look at the guarantees and the potential outs that we have on Track, nothing should scare you. None of these... I'm going to talk about Trent Williams in a few minutes here. And I know there's, there's a big $138 million in front of that total value, but I'm going to give you the nuts and the bolts and you're all going to be pretty good with it. I promise. So there's a, I just don't have any bad things to say. The Patriots are trying to recreate what they had, the two, the two tight end set, which is extremely tough to defend when you have above average players in those roles. They're going to bring in a running back. I mean, it's going to be a Chris Carson. It's going to be a Kenyon Drake. It's going to be a Philip Lindsay, somebody, somebody to that degree who can change games. You know, I mean, the Sonny Michelle era is probably over. He might be on that roster as depth, but it's probably over. Um, I don't imagine James White's back. If I had, if I had to bargain on that, I bet he's the next uh, Tampa Bay transplant, right? I think Tom Brady's probably trying to recruit him to be the, the kind of swing guy out of the backfield. Um, outside of that, uh, what, what, why would I hate any of these guys going to New England? If Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels think it's a work on the offensive side, they, they've added offensive linemen, by the way, you know, they, they haven't, they haven't delineated the, 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 the trenches, which is something they sometimes do. They let decent talent walk. They got Kyle Van Noy back, by the way, on half of what he was going to make in Miami. So that fallout becomes their benefit. And wildly enough, they have a 
compensatory draft pick this year because Kyle Van Noy signed with Miami last year. So they get a mid-round draft pick and Van Noy back this year. That's, I mean, that's like a Roldis Chapman with the Yankees. <laughs> you trade him away, you get some pieces back, good pieces back from Cincinnati, and then that very offseason, you sign back Roldis Chapman. <laughs> uh, you know, it doesn't happen too often, that stuff, but here it is. That's exactly what, that's the kind of breaks that teams like New England need to get right back up there, right back up into com- competition level, which I expect them to be. And, you know, worth a lot of people and myself included are throwing numbers out there about the guaranteed dollars and how, you know, you, you, you overspend in free agency, you overspend it in March and it generally doesn't mean you're getting to January. That's generally how this works. Well, I did some numbers. I threw a quick tweet out, which I want to explain a little bit here. Um, I went back five years, 2016 through 2020 and basically just, just asked myself, who had the most guaranteed dollars invested into the free agent season? Just free agency. So not extensions, not draft picks, you know, not trade acquisitions. Just right now, this, these past two weeks, essentially over the past five years. And uh, you know, what did that mean for those teams in that upcoming season in terms of their record and their ability to turn around and win? It's, uh, it's not as bad as you might think. And and I think it's because of this metric, and I have it in front of me, I can tell you. There's a big difference between evaluating total value spending, and by the way, spending is the wrong word, total value allocation to guaranteed allocation, okay? Teams that throw big-time contracts at good players but only guarantee 40% of it, that's a value. That's a team-friendly contract. No way around it. No matter who the player is, that's a team-friendly contract. So there's a lot of fluff built into free agency that agents love to report, that teams love to put out there, that people like me get stuck ranking at times. You know, I, I, sat, I spent an hour working through all-time San Francisco contracts and all-time offensive lineman contracts and putting together where Trent Williams' $138 million ranks, knowing full out, He's never seeing half of that. So, so it's, it's kind of a moot situation. But look, the numbers exist. I have to speak to them. And free agent trackers have to show the total values. But there's a big difference in the success rate of teams that spend total value versus teams that overspend guaranteed value. And if you think about it for a second, it makes sense. If you're going after a good player, and player and agent sit down and you can tell that story just like I said it. Hey, look, we can tack on two dumb years here, you know, at 25 million per, if that makes you happy. But we're just looking for an edge rusher for the next three years. Okay. If I don't, if I don't get somebody that can get to the quarterback in three years and I'm, I'm GM a here, I'm out of here. So, you know, we can make this look however you need it for your reporting and your your highlight reels. But I'm worried about two years fully guaranteed and half of that third year guaranteed. And I think that should be enough to get you here. We've got the team. We've got the fit for you. You know, this is the, this is the pitch. So if they're going a little bit over, which some of these kind John U. Smith, for instance, one of the only players in this free agent class that has half of his third year salary fully guaranteed right now, that's a tight end. That's not an edge rusher. That's not a quarterback. That's a tight end. Okay. That's how much, New England, Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels identified Jonu Smith as the A number one target this offseason. Okay. 
it's important. It is important to look at how those guarantees structure. That's why when I'm putting out these kind of quick breakdown tweets, I'm giving you this year's cash. I'm giving you the total guarantees right now at signing. And then I'm, I'm telling you about what, what becomes guaranteed in the next two to three years. That's really all that matters here. Okay. I, that's it. And then obviously the potential out, you know, if it's a five-year contract, what does it really mean in terms of the guaranteed structure? Two years, three years. That's it. Today, March 18th, that's all that matters to these new contracts. Okay. If they get to the fourth year and the fifth year, if Matt Judon plays all five years of that contract, that's great. That means things are probably going well and maybe he's declining a little bit and he's not in big time extension mode, but he's happy where he is on the back end of that contract. It's rare that that kind of stuff happens, but we get there. We get there at times. I mean, Von Miller is about to complete a gigantic contract in Denver, something a lot of people just don't do anymore. So the Patriots are pinging the right nodes right now. They are, they are hitting those guaranteed dollars just enough to get that guy in. And they still have some cachet, by the way, from this Brady era. You know, they still hold a lot of weight. Bill Belichick's name holds a lot of weight still. So that plus one or two extra guaranteed millions, you know, maybe just a little bit more into that third year or fully, fully guarantee in that second year, or let's throw a roster bonus in March next year that we'll guarantee now that make sure you get some cash next March when maybe someone else would just be offering you a guaranteed salary in September. Little things like that, that you can see these contending teams pushing up for. And that's why teams like the Patriots are there. And that's not going to, that's not going to necessarily mean they're going four and 12 or four and 13. If we have 17 games next year, it's just not one of those things that happen. And if I identified over the past five years, okay, if we look at who did that, who was real specific with guaranteed money. Okay. The jets are there, of course, and they, they've got bad records to, to boot because they were just kind of throwing baloney at it. The Vikings are there, and they go eight and eight every every year. That's just their thing. Okay, the Browns are there last year. Okay, and why were the Browns there last year? Offensive line, tight ends. That that's their big money guarantees right there. It turned into an eleven and five season. Okay, the Miami Dolphins were there last year. Almost all defensive. I, I mean, they went one hundred and forty six million in guaranteed dollars last year, last offseason, by far the most. Almost all to the defensive side of the ball. They turned things around, 10 and 6. It was an instant turnaround. Defense, offensive line, and, and non-flashy weapons. That's what, that's what gets you wins in free agency. It's just a fact. It's just how the trends bear out. If you want to plug and play all defense, the, the 2018 Bears spent 102 million in guaranteed dollars in free agency almost all defensively and here we are they were 12 and 4 that year <laughs> one of the best records in the past 10 years of top spending free agents that's that was the bears in 2018 and certainly it's been a you know quick fall since but there's a there's a rhyme and a reason to this there are there are just positions you don't go nuts for in free agency and i have bad news for a couple of players sitting out there right now, wide receiver is at the top of that list. It's attractive to bring in a Kenny Galladay, you know, a major, major asset at probably above market value because that 
that gets the fans going. That's a jersey sale, right? That's a flashy position, you know, a diva position, if you want to put it that way. It just doesn't translate. For whatever, for whatever reason, throwing big money at that kind of a player in year one just does not translate to immediate success, whether it's a learning curve, whether it's because you're doing that and forfeiting dollars you should be spending on, on the trenches or in the secondary. It just doesn't translate. It hasn't for the whole decade. So it's really something to look at. What happens to Kenny Galladay? What happens to Juju Schuster? If they're on one-year tenders, is it one for 11 on those guys? Is it one for 13? Are they getting... Because they're $18 million wide receivers. And there's really no arguing that. I mean, even that's second tier. You know, Hopkins is 27. Julio Jones is 22. Amari Cooper's over 20. Keenan Allen's over 20. So supply and this, this right here, these numbers that I'm not the only guy in the world who has these numbers. Every GM is looking at this stuff too, has guys and gals doing research for this kind of thing. What happens when you splash on a wide receiver? What happens if we're, if we're allocating 40% of our guaranteed dollars this offseason to a wide receiver? How does that affect the rest of our ability to win games? Now, if you're a team, you know, if you're, if you're the Browns and you love your defense and you think your trenches are perfect, and I, that's, I picked them out because I think that's probably right, you know, and I put, I put the Washington football team in a similar conversation. Pretty solid offensive line, unbelievable defensive line, pretty solid defense that they improved with William Jackson. So they've already spent the money on the secondary. They felt comfortable spending a little bit of coin on Curtis Samuel, not a ton of coin. That's second tier wide receiver money there maybe even third in the grand scheme of things. But in terms of this free agency is in Curtis Samuel's second tier. That is a such a comfortable move because of how stable their defense is. So who are you? Where are you with the important things? Quarterback, secondary, and the trenches. Where are you there? And if you're stable, go get that weapon. You know, And if it's not via this, then it's via a trade. They're out there. You know, that stuff on Diggs trade can happen every year for the right price. The Bills overpaid in a draft to get Stefan Diggs in. Somebody can do that right now with Odell Beckham Jr. if they want. It's out there. It's possible. You know, there's probably a Denver Broncos wide receiver or an Arizona Cardinals wide receiver who can be had right now because there's a little bit of a surplus there. You can probably do it for the right price. So just some trends that I've been looking at, and it's interesting. You know, obviously not paying a running back is not even worth talking about. Because, you know, kind of breaking news here on the show, Kenyon Drake is not going to New England because he's going to the Raiders on a two-year, $11 million contract, fully guaranteed. So he and Josh Jacobs are going to share? (laughs) Or is Josh Jacobs going to be the next trade out of Las Vegas after the entire offensive line? (laughs) Rodney Hudson, Arizona, Gabe Jackson, Seattle, Trent Brown, Patriots. And Richie Incognito back on basically a $2 million contract. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole with with the Raiders right now because I have absolutely zero idea what's happening. And this is just exhibit Z with Kenyon Drake. Nice player, but you just gave him $6 million a year, fully guaranteed, and you had a cost-controlled all-pro running back, Josh Jacobs, on that roster already. So who knows? But there's some breaking news for you. Okay, real quick, just a couple of contract breakdowns that have jumped off the page a bit to me. Uh, Got to start with Andy Dalton, the aforementioned new Bears quarterback. Fine. Uh, kind of really good in, in some ways. I mean, he is 
I guess good is the right word, right? He's been an above average quarterback, hasn't been able to find himself to that next level. This goes back to though, what or who are the Bears? And, you know, they're in Russell Wilson conversations, kind of. They're in Deshaun Watson conversations, maybe. They probably put out feelers for Matt Stafford. That didn't that didn't pan out. I, the question was this for me. Who are they in 2021 and in 2022? Because they're not in draft position, really, to get one. Top five, top, top four, top five. So isn't going backwards maybe the right choice? And if that's the case, some of those defensive players probably have to go with it. They didn't obviously want to go that route. This is a stop-get move. This is a try-to-win-nine-games kind of move. It's fine. Here's where I have a problem with it. $10 million, up to 12 with incentives, all good. I mean, that's that's fine. I mean, that's double Cam Newton. That's you know probably double Tyrod Taylor's contract. But they took a $10 million cap hit. And this is not a team that has cap to burn. Just throw a couple of void years or make this a two-year deal. Spread spread the $7 million bonus out somehow. You know, a second-year option, something. I just, uh, I, I'm baffled that they took a $10 million cap hit on Andy Dalton. When who were they bidding against? It's not like they were forced to have that kind of structure by other teams bidding and he had, they had to have a more impactful. It's going to be $10 million cash no matter what. So that, that to me, of all of this, makes the least amount of sense. That you pigeonhole yourself with other... I mean, they may have to cut Kyle Fuller to get out of this. That's how close to the cap they're going to be with this acquisition. So I just, to me, that's baffling. I, I get the move. You know, are, Were there better options? I don't know. Probably not at this point. Unless you're forfeiting your draft to go up and get one of these other quarterbacks, which there's a bad taste in Chicago's mouth from the Trubisky move in doing that. And speaking of which, Mitchell Trubisky, one-year contract to back up Josh Allen in Buffalo. Confirmed. I like this. I've said this before on the show. I think I said it last show. This is a good, good fit for Mitchell Trubisky to kind of operate under that offense in a backup role hold the clipboard, watch Josh Allen kind of do his thing because the step that Josh Allen took last year is the step that Mitchell Trubisco needs to take in order to make it back to a QB1 role. So let's stand right next to the guy who literally did what I have to do. They're very similar skill sets. I don't think he's got the arm, but very similar skill sets. So this this makes a ton of sense for both sides, a ton. I haven't seen the money yet. I imagine it's around that four to five million dollar mark, probably slightly above backup quarterback pay. But this is a this is a good get for the Bills. There's no question about it. One more contract. I mentioned Trent Williams, one hundred and thirty eight million dollars, well, slightly over one hundred and thirty eight million dollars in order to surpass David Bakhtiari's twenty three million dollar per year average. Uh, petty, hilarious, good stuff there. By the way, that he had to become the highest average. I'm all fine with that. It's not 138 million. It's not even close to 138 million. It is 32.4 this year. That's huge. That's massive. It is 60.7 over the next three years, and that is all but locked in. So, obviously, the first year is locked in here. 
the second year is fully locked in here. So he's two for 40 without even trying here. That third year, there's a million and a quarter locked in right now and another five locks in next March. So, you know, six out of the 20 becomes fully guaranteed at some point early. So I guess it's not super, super safe, but I'm going to call it pretty safe. That three years gets him to age 35. So it's extremely unlikely, you know, that he's a $20 million left tackle at that point, and they're probably getting out. So like I said, he's not even going to see half of this contract, practically speaking. The three for 60 is likely, maybe not practical right now. Two for 40 is certainly practical. Um, and it'd actually be two for 46 at that point with the dead cap. So good coin, really good coin. There's your 23 million a year. If he gets out after two years, if he plays all three, it's about 21 million a year. Still super good pay for a 33 year old left tackle who has certainly, you know, been back and forth with injuries, with front office issues in Washington. This is kind of his, his big hit, big, big hit. You know, he's got a six for $60 million rookie contract that he saw 44 million of. He's got a $68 million extension in Washington that he saw 65 million of. And now he tacks on the big 138 that he should see about 60 million of. So we're talking some serious, serious career earnings here. You know, if he gets the 60 over the next three, it's going to be almost 170 million for a left tackle. That's huge. That is big, big boy money for Trent Williams, especially this late in his career. And uh, there's been no no sign of decline. So super great stuff for him, but not $138 million. Just going to ring ring that bell again. Look at the guaranteed signing. Look at the practical guarantees. Look at the notes at the bottom of the contract. When do things kick in? When when are the triggers there? You know, when is where is that potential outline on, on our site? Those are the things that really have to be hammered home right now because there's a lot of fluff out there. Not as much as usual because of the year. You know, there's a lot of shorter under market deals that don't require the fluff. So that's what I mean. Look at the guarantees. See see who's pushing the envelope on those guaranteed at signing. And you'll kind of figure out who's really in a good spot in 2021. All right, let's talk to Scott Allen real quick about some breaking news. All right, Scott, welcome to the show. You uh, brought some breaking news to my attention. It's about TV money. We've talked about it quite a bit. We've kind of projected what this thing might look like. I don't think there's any numbers with this announcement, right? It's just kind of the uh, the protocol of how this is going to work for the next really seven to 10 seasons. Kind of break down what you're reading here. Yeah, it was a tweet I saw from a guy, um, a beat reporter. It sounds like it's going to be uh, DirecTV is out and uh, ESPN Plus is in. And um, Thursday nights are going to be Amazon Prime exclusive. And there's an opt-out after year seven for the ESPN, CBS, Fox, NBC. Uh, They'll all continue doing deals, uh, continue doing games. And uh, it's a maximum of 11 years right now. So the big news is DirecTV out for, for League Pass, essentially, right? NFL ticket. Yeah, yeah, and that's pretty big because now if you go to ESPN Plus, you know, that that that's a massive streaming platform and, you know, ESPN, we saw it in the playoffs, they were dabbling with some simulcasts and some betting casts, so I'm interested right, to see right. if they go 
you know, that route, because now not only do you have that, you'll have all these games. So the platform itself can potentially integrate the game and betting all at the same time. It's going to be really interesting to see what ESPN does. I wonder if you, if ABC gets a Super Bowl out of this, because, you know, with Monday Night Football and now this Sunday ticket, holy cow, they've got to be pumping billions into this just exclusively they've got to be able to get a super bowl because they don't have it right now no they don't it and on top of that you know espn what last week or the week before just announced that nhl is coming back so now they have nfl with the espn plus part for the nfl so and i would imagine nhl is going espn plus almost exclusively don't you think uh from what i've read it Maybe they're one night have, a week live or something, right? They're getting 75 games uh, nationally televised between ABC and ESPN itself. And then they are, I believe, getting all of the NHL.TV wow. uh, games. So they're getting like over a thousand games between TV and streaming is what so it sounds like. Is that the NHL center ice package essentially? So did yeah. they just purchase it, center ice and NFL ticket in the last week? <laughs> it, it sounds like it. And that's wow. why I brought it up because now, you know, this ESPN plus platform is, you know, yeah. going to get a lot of eyeballs on it. It's big time. It is big time. It's all about live sports as much as possible. It's not about what's on ESPN and ESPN two anymore. You know, it's maximizing live content. It, 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 it reigns supreme. So, well, and, it, it, and if you think super, about it, Netflix can't do this. Hulu is Hulu is no. kind of doing this, but they're doing this with broadcast television. They're not doing this with television that or with, with shows that aren't on broadcast, which is what this is. This is an extension of broadcast television. So if you can well, you can have your pick of Major League Baseball games or hockey games at 7 p.m. Eastern, yep. that that is so much more powerful to the current audience, especially the younger audience. You know. Well, and, and Disney owns. ESPN plus and Hulu. So some of these games I know for the NHL, I believe it's going to be a Hulu and ESPN plus. So it's not only that ESPN plus is towards the sports fan. Now, when you go into Hulu, you're potentially going to see ESPN or NHL and NFL games being on your Hulu platform to, for the people that aren't necessarily Hmm. into sports, you may see it more in your face. Um, I love the gambling aspect too of this, Scott. You're right. ESPN is probably going to pump that pretty hard. Yeah, I think it what probably was a way to show the metrics going into these deals. How many people are actually watching this? And is it something that, you know, this is such a small sample size and we did it during a playoff? Yeah. If we do it on an a normal Sunday when you have 13 games as opposed to one or two well, games. I mean, shouldn't March Madness be all over this? <laughs> you would think so. I mean, my goodness. They're probably a few well, years it, away still, but. And on top of it, the fact that it's going into ESPN Plus and you, ESPN is getting NHL and NFL with this content, you know, they already have a, a, a slew of originals and mm-hmm. all that that they're going to be able to pump advertisements right into these games i would assume sure so that they can promote 
their original content on top of the live sports. Yeah, and it won't have to be advertised based, really. It'll, have, it, you know, it can be side screens and things like that, wrappers, just real smart, intelligent digital t- digital advertising. Which well, and if you if you play it on an on an iPad or something like that, or even on a phone, you know, they're going to be able to implement live stats better than DirecTV necessarily sure. was able to do uh, on top of the live gambling yeah, you, aspect. You, you had this for a few years. What, what were the deficiencies with DirecTV? That's actually an, an interesting conversation outside of the fact that it went down in a lightning storm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if it necessarily had deficiencies outside of the fact that you had to pay DirecTV to, and have satellite TV to get yeah. Sunday ticket that the, the app itself worked pretty well. Uh, you were able to jump between different games pretty quickly. It had the red zone. It had the fantasy zone. Um, I, 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 now that I think of it, a deficiency was if I was logged in under one iPad and I went to my phone, it would log me out of the iPad. Mm-hmm. So that, that is probably going to be an upgrade for ESPN plus if they open it up to where I can stream it on my iPad, but my son can have it on his iPad watching a different game than I'm watching. That would be an upgrade. I think the multi view technology has to get better across the board. And this is just going to be exhibit a, don't you think? I mean, ESPN has got a real chance to corner that market because let's be honest, the attention spans of everybody right now are, (laughs) Or zilch, zilch. Yeah. If so they push, if they're offering if they, an NHL game of the night and an NBA game of the night, because they're not getting rid of NBA, there's no way. It's it's one of the most powerful sports. You know, if you've got a Wednesday NBA package and then a Wednesday NHL package, those are kind of crossover days for those two sports. There's going to be a lot of people that want to see those things simultaneously and not be watching it on a television. It's just kind of how it goes. So the the mobile multi view. I think ESPN has a big, big chance to grab right now. And you're right. The uh, altering between different things that, you know, kind of the channel flipper, that's what streamers are losing. The ability to flip the, flip the remote yep. back and yep. forth, back and forth. And from a sports perspective, and you're right, the Hulu part of this is big. I didn't even think of that coming into this. So you've got live broadcast television on Hulu and now this pack, these packages built into it. There's a real chance to improve technology and bring it back closer to the cable side of it. You know, the the channel flipping, the maybe a picture in picture kind of a system. Those are out there. They're just not great yet. They're not no, great. They're not. And they're not. The more content ESPN gets, the more push they'll be for these kind of technologies. I expect big things. This is big, big news. Yeah, I agree. I, I hope that they do what you just said with the multi view because you know. Going into the NBA League Pass, you can't do a multi-view. Yeah. You know, you, even you know MLB at bat, you can do a multi-view, but I think it's only if you're on a desktop browser that you can do a multi-view. You can't even do the multi-view on iPad that I am aware of. Uh, so if if they can do a multi-view where if you just happen to have an NFL game and an well, NHL game and an NBA game, they're going to have so much content ESPN. all every night at this point. So right. how can you not want it? Here, here's, here's the last question for you. Um, did Was there any mention of how that Thursday night's going to work? Is the NFL network going to continue to simulcast? I, because the Amazon no, Prime stuff is awesome. I'm sure it's huge money, but you're going to lose viewers. 
The, the only thing that said in the, in the tweet that I saw was Amazon Prime exclusive home for Thursday night football. So however you want to read into that. Wow. I'm sure more details are going to come out as, as things trickle out based on this information. I mean, Amazon has no video experience here in terms of live television. They've certainly got their Prime stuff. There's some, there's some exclusive content on Prime that they've been developing. So I guess there's probably plenty of studio space for this. But Well, they had been simulcasting on Prime during right, but Thursday if, night. But are they going to produce it and actually, and actually broadcast oh, yeah. the NFL game? Correct. They have absolutely zero experience in that. So it's, it's interesting to see how far that goes or if it'll be a simulcast through the NFL directly. Here's my last question, I guess. I lied. One more. You mentioned the NBA League Pass, which has got to be just like a gigantic cash cow for them. Has to be. I mean, all the big NBA fans just love that thing. They own it. They advertise through it. They make a ton of money off it. So why doesn't the NFL do this? Why does the NFL continually sell off their NFL ticket? Obviously, it's big money, but wouldn't they make more funneling everything directly through them? You know, that, that's a, that is an absolutely great point because, you know, and not only with the league pass, but MLB at bad watching pre um, spring yeah. training games, they do such a great job of not, no, not only just going to commercials, but they throw in all these archival yeah. games and, and highlights and they promote the game, not only forward, but backwards. And they do a really good job of integrating that. And if the NFL did something like that, especially for the kids that are young and, and are you know, impulsive and jumping around. If you had those, that integrated aspect where you're showing old, you know, Joe Montana to rice touchdowns and archival things, you know, it might catch the eye of some of those kids on top of it. I mean, the answer must be no. The answer must be that whatever ESPN just paid for it is exponentially more than the NFL could make off just direct advertising. Right. That's gotta be the answer. It, it it has to be. They know that they are making way more than the amount that they would have to put to into staff, their own to, production to staff. market to yeah. But it, it's just Which funny is everything else is going like everything everywhere else is going own your own content. Every player is trying to own their own content, and their brand, and and something like this is such a big sell. It's a big draw. I mean, every NFL game, what? <laughs> you know, I can't, I can't wait to see the numbers. My God, ESPN now, what a week they must be doing. Okay. <laughs> or, or they're they're or it's a hail Mary or it's a hail Mary. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Or it's a, we got to do everything we can to get as many live sports as possible yeah. um, under our platform. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. If they continue to keep, Major League Baseball on Sunday nights or if they right? are going to move on from that, that that's going to be interesting to see because if they if they do keep Major League Baseball, then they have a hand in the big four. So NBC keeps Sunday Night Football. Fox gets the game of the week at 4 p.m. still. All that stuff seems to be aligned up. I would assume so. Yeah. I haven't seen anything other than that. Okay. Interesting. Big news. Too bad they uh, dropped that salary cap, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yep. I know it's it's it, it is extremely interesting timing that we uh-huh. are getting this one day after the league year happened. Um, you know, it 
It, it makes you wonder. Well, and they waited until after things died down in free agency, too. They pretty much they let did. all of the chaos calm down, and now they dropped this bomb. It, it, and it makes you wonder, as a conspiracy theorist, uh, did, did they specifically want to wait for announcing this deal so that the cap sort of reset itself down so that it can – gain next year like we talked about with not only yeah this flux of money but plus fans in the stands um mm -hmm. instead of maybe i'm sure it was on the table let's push back free agency a week so we can finish this deal and, and potentially have all this money for this year and make the cap either stable or not but you know for some reason they were okay with it going down i'm okay yeah they were there's no question about it that this wasn't even an issue for, and you know, you certainly don't see the teams complaining because they're getting some value contracts right now. And, you know, I'm not just not sure the players and the agents have enough power to complain. They don't after that CBA, they signed last off season, this time of year, it's uh, it's kind of just put your head down and play ball right now, unfortunately, but we'll see, you know, so it's, there's a lot of markets taking a hit financially speaking, as I mentioned in, in the start of the show here, but We'll see what happens next year. To me, that's the most interesting takeaway now is does this balloon the cap or are they going to slow play this thing? You know, are they going to bring it up 10 million a year like normal and just kind of continue as, as they were in 2019? Or are they going to kind of overcorrect because of A, life is back to normal. So fans and stands, beers getting bought, hot dogs getting bought, plus $14 billion of TV contracts. You know, are they going to let that completely balloon things like the NBA did, or are they going to slow play it? Just kind of get back on their, on their track and give teams the chance to trickle back up to normal, normalcy financially speaking. I, I don't know. Uh, any thoughts there? The, the NFL doesn't seem to be following anyone else's trends. No, they you know? don't. Because you and, and I have said it before a million times, the, everyone should be learning from the NBA and I don't think the NFL cares. And I could see them wanting the balloon to happen because yeah. then that's an influx of money being spent by teams. And the more with the rollover cap space that the NFL allows, that just allows for, you know, you're going to see yeah. multiple positions be reset because teams are going to have so much money to potentially spend if there is a massive balloon as opposed to, progressively going up 10 million and then keep in mind whatever the cap does that affects that rookie scale so if, if, if it does balloon then the kids that are coming out next year yep. are going to get a massive jump in those rookie contract salaries fascinating stuff we're a year away from that and it, it, it looks like I found an article more specific to what the guy had tweeted out and it looks like this won't begin until 2023. Yep. So we had a couple years until it actually kicks in. I've seen a few and agents basically say out loud, Scott, in the past couple of days that everything that's happening today is about 2023. It is about making sure that you have an out or a chance or an ability to be relevant, young enough and available in 2023 as if there's going to be a massive jump. So, so maybe maybe it recorrects back to 198 next year and then yep. 2023 becomes 230. 
Right. I was just going to say the, the, the balloon may not happen immediately because that cash influx may not kick in until that 2023 right. instead of you know them paying now and it kicking in. So that, that's a great point. Yeah. So, you know, but it's something it's something teams now that this is coming out, teams can plan accordingly. Right. Who's going to tank next year? Right. Who's going to tank? Right. A quarter of the league. Truly to get that rollover cap, to get themselves ready for just an absolute monster 2023. Mm -hmm. So that's one way to look at it. Here's the other way to look at it. And we can finish on this, Scott. Is this truncated free agency? And it is. You know, if they average two and a half billion in, in total value contracts, we're not, we may not, might not get to two this year. We just might not. Um, if this truncated version, look, this, when this happened in baseball, it never went back. It never sprung back. Everybody just kind of got used to it and comfortable with it. And now that's the norm in baseball. And if you're not Bryce Harper or Manny Machado, you're just not going to break the bank. Why wouldn't it just stay like this way in, in the NFL? Why wouldn't it? I, there, there's a chance. I think there's a great but the, chance. But the NFL is such a juggernaut that. But they don't force you to pay. 89% of a floor over a four-year span, three-year span in a couple of years. That's, that's so manipulative. Yeah. You can, you can do whatever you want with that. But, but that's, that is more of a forced to spend than major league baseball. Yeah, okay. They have that's no fair. floor whatsoever. That's fair. And you can have the Pittsburgh pirates spend 30 million on their entire payroll. Um, You're right. But There'll be some I, stability with it. You're right. But but I looked at some numbers of free agent spending teams and in, in at the beginning of last decade, teams that spent their records were not great. Yeah. In this last half of the decade, top teams that spent out of the top three of each year, there were winning records out of two of those three teams. So I think teams are getting smarter with their money and more analytical with their money. So you're right. It, it could fall back to where it's they're they're not going to spend as much but with the amount of cap space that teams can roll over plus if you add an extra 30 million in in cap mm -hmm. by it rising say a team ends up having for hypothetical purposes you know 90 to 100 million dollars in space going into that one year they're going to spend yeah or they're going to spend half of it and roll over that 50 million to the following year so that they can actually spend over two or three years as opposed to all in one year. That's good stuff. Anything else? Any breaking news? I feel like we can't even look away right now. This is reckless just being on this show right now. <laughs> no, no, I've, I've got Twitter up here. Nothing, nothing out of the ordinary coming through a lot of, you know, official signings and whatnot on the NBA side, we've had a couple trades happen yeah. in the last uh, couple days here leading up to next week's trade deadline. I'm sure we're going to start seeing a lot more of that happening. Any good teams going to break it down in the NBA? Mm. Tough to tell, huh? Yeah, it is tough to tell. And like when Keith was on, we still have a lot of teams in the middle vying for that nine and 10 spot. And no, you, you don't think Orlando will punt on a couple of guys. You know, if they, if they, if they get the right potential deal, you may see a Vucevic or a Ross 
be mm-hmm. traded. But they have so many, like I've said before, they have so many guys on injured that they they may just say stay status quo and and try to go into next year and see what they have with a full healthy squad. And then if it doesn't work from there, then they punt. Um, but we're, we're seeing a couple teams that are in that boat, you know, the Atlanta Hawks, who everyone thought yeah. was going to be this team and they've been really riddled with injuries. So I, I don't necessarily know that we're going to see uh, a good team punt, but if the right offers there, I would not be surprised. Uh, who's in the lottery spot right now? Is it Houston? Okay. See who's, who's the worst team in the NBA right now? Who's in the Cade Cunningham sweepstakes as we enter March Madness here? It is the Minnesota Timberwolves. I should have known that. <laughs> it's year after year, they are they're just so bad. And then you've got the uh, Detroit Pistons, right? Following up with uh, Houston, they're they're fighting for what's the, what's the streak? Twenty one? Is it twenty one in a row they've lost? Houston? Yeah, they had eighteen in a row. 18 in a row. Wow. And, and, and when that losing streak started was when Christian Wood went right. out with his injury. He came back uh, last night, but they still lost. So they're at <laughs> 18 straight. All right. Uh, one more question, sir. Is it Gonzaga or the field? The field. Really? Somebody takes yes. him down? I think so. Okay. How many forfeits? If you had to bet over under forfeits. What's your number? Oh, I will say, I'll say four. Ooh, that seems high. God, I hope it's not four. I, I hope not either. I hope not. I'll either, split it. I'll say two on that. I'll say okay. two forfeits, but man, four would be bad news. I mean, these bubbles work, but everybody's got to play, right? They got to play ball, and these are college kids. <laughs> You know, asking that many college kids to to be robots for the next three weeks. It's just a lot to ask. But all right. Yeah, I saw I saw a couple hours ago there were eight positive tests out of the trying to get uh, into the bubble because that's where we are now. Right. Yeah. Out of ninety one hundred total tests, eight were positive. So, okay, Over under four. Good stuff. Anything else? No, that's about it. My thanks to The Athletic. Check out theathletic.com slash track for 40% off. Download the app. Personalize your, your feed. It's ad-free content. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Track Podcast. <laughs>